Primary Care Knowledge Boost, COVID-19, Episode 13, Staff Wellbeing and Silver Linings. Hello and welcome back. This is the last episode of our COVID-related series. We promise that it really is the last one this time. (laughs) We've got a lot of lovely episodes on clinical topics that we recorded pre-COVID and some others lined up that we're going to start releasing again in August um, back on our two-weekly schedule. In the interim, we'll be releasing a couple of episodes that we recorded with Health Education Northwest aimed at, at GP trainees and trainers, but we do think that they're going to be useful for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about today's episode, um, we know it's been a really challenging time for all of us here in primary care and secondary care and generally. And during the beginnings of the pandemic, it was hard to take in everything that was happening. And it feels like we've hardly had time to appreciate uh, everything that's been going on, including the losses that people have suffered in practice and and personally. Mm. Um, Reading several accounts of people who've lost family members who've worked in healthcare really brings home the, the true reality of the losses. Yeah, absolutely. And alongside that, we've also seen a huge restructuring of of our practice in a way that many of us haven't really seen before. And we just wanted to take the time to reflect on some of the personal and professional positives that have happened in primary care during the pandemic. Yeah, we hope you enjoy. So thank you both for joining us again today. Would you both like to introduce yourselves for all the listeners who haven't heard you already? I'm Joanna Bircher. I'm a GP in Staleybridge, which is part of Greater Manchester, Tameside and Glossop CCG. And I'm the clinical director of the Greater Manchester GP Excellence Programme. And I'm Viren Mehta. I'm a GP at Cheetah Medical Practice in Stockport. And I'm clinical director for our primary care network and clinical director at our CCG. So why um, why is it important to talk about this today? So um, I think, you know, this is our possibly one of our last podcasts on the, the COVID series. And I think it's it's really important to reflect on what primary care and general practice has achieved over the past few weeks. It's just been a, a time of tremendous change um, and an unprecedented time for all of us, both personally and professionally. Um, and we just thought it was it was important just to reflect think about what's gone well, think a little bit about the future and think about actually what it means for us personally, but what it's what it's meant for our practices too. I agree. And I think um, we've timed it to be kind of later on, partly because um, so many things affect well-being of, of our staff, which varies as time happens. And as as we've got further into this and we realise it's not going away and we're going to have to be working differently for a significant period of time, it's easy for momentum and energy levels to to drop and and so now seems to be a really good time to talk about how how to support everybody through that yeah i think that's exactly right and i think um you know we've t- talked a lot through these podcast episodes about how we support patients about how we organize the practice about how we think about referrals but actually i think it's really important just to stop and think about ourselves um, as people and uh, I suppose also have a, have a chance to, to, to say thanks to all, all the primary care staff that are hopefully listening to this and just reflect I suppose just take a minute and give yourself a pat on the back for the amazing work that's happened. Yeah 100%. You're absolutely right in terms of how far we've come in such a short space of time <laughs> um, and I guess we can look at the topic from an organisational point of view or from more personal points of view. So in generally for general practice, what do you think have been the advancements and positives through the COVID a- outbreak? Well, um, I did a, um, a survey of my staff about issues that had affected their, their well-being and the things that had helped. And quite a few people pointed out that 
that ability to be a bit more flexible with their work, particularly remote working, have been helpful. And the fact that we had um, access to some really good digital support so we could set people up with home working um, was a really real positive, a great advantage. Fabulous. Yeah. Did anything else come up from that survey? Oh, lots of bits and pieces and all sorts of things I learned about about the challenges of working from home because um, being a GP in the practice, I'd done a bit of um, remote working near the start, but actually most of my work was done in the building. And so I had the similar kind of habits and routines other than, of course, the social distancing and not seeing many patients face to face. But I had that kind of routine and I had a really kind of insightful reply from um, one of our management team that had been working mostly from home about um, the challenges of that although it was a great relief at first. After a few weeks of homeworking, she realised the negative impact of that on health and well-being, particularly in terms of it's hard to separate your workspace from your home life. So she had to make quite strict rules for herself in terms of, you know, when the laptop will be closed, clear away the dining room table, make sure it's all put away, even if it means a bit of extra time getting it out the following morning. At least home life is then home life that was important she set a little prompt for herself every hour on a phone as a reminder to get up and move around yeah that's good <laughs> you know, do a little bit of exercise <laughs> and I thought that was a great a great tip yeah that's a nice reflection about how we were able to change so quickly and move to remote working but how that does have negative uh, consequences as well and ways that you can kind of mitigate that a little bit what else do we think has happened pretty quickly over the COVID time that might have taken longer otherwise So when I just think about the response to COVID at general practice level, it just fills me with so much pride, I think. So we've implemented a a triage first system in general practice. We've moved to, you know, handfuls of video consultations in most practices to now that being the majority of of kind of consultants being done that way. We've moved to video conferencing and adopted that, you know, wholeheartedly. And we've implemented remote working. Um, so we've had members of staff working from home, actually almost totally, um, and enabled them to do that with some, um, you know, with some caveats, as Joe's just talked about. Flexible working. So we've had people that have gone through really difficult times with schools and childcare. And so we've kind of allowed people to work in a flexible way thinking about the way that we communicate rather than that that sign in your waiting room you've had to now think about texts and whatsapp groups and facebook and twitter in terms of how you engage with patients every little thing in your practice is being done in a slightly different way you've got to think about how you bring ppe into that and where you store ppe and how people access it and entrances and exits into the building we've implemented all this stuff around shielding and how we support our vulnerable patients and reviewing lists of people and trying to categorize them and contact them and that I mean that has taken far more time than I think it needed to have done but but we've done it and we've we've thought about hot and cold we've thought about COVID testing swabbing and antibody testing our teams have undertaken risk assessments on every member of staff and every building as well so we've done environmental and staff risk assessments most practices have done well-being risk assessments on their staff And then we've also been thinking about the well-being of our local community and our patients. And that's in a space of, you know, three months. And alongside all the normal GP work. Exactly. Uh, And so, you know, when you just sit back and reflect on that, it's, you know, that's five years worth of change and quality improvement that we've done at a time where it's already been immense pressure. 
So, you know, when I think about that, I just think that's an extraordinary achievement. And I think it is really important to take a step back and realise what has been achieved through all this adversity. And that gives us an opportunity to give a huge shout out to the practice managers across Greater Manchester and primary care in general, who have mostly are the people who've coordinated all this, who I think are our unsung heroes. So big shout out for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, practice managers are, I've always said, are the backbone of general practice. But I think this pandemic has really demonstrated how essential that they are to to general practice work and I think it's really important that we think about this role and think about how we develop our practice managers they're amazing talent Um, I think what's also been really special is how our practice managers have collaborated certainly in 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 Stockport and when I think back to that 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 sort of early stage of COVID actually as clinicians we got a bit of respite suddenly the calls were a bit less to the practice but our practice managers have been working their socks off throughout this. So again, like Joe, I want to give them a special nod. I actually went on a Zoom call recently with our practice managers where we talked through actually what they've done in their practices, especially around thinking about staff um, wellbeing assessments. And I've managed to cajole a couple of them to give us some little recordings of some of what they've done. Uh, and I just think they're just really lovely, you know, just very short sound bites, but they've captured so much of, of what they've done. Hopefully people um, enjoy listening to those clips. Hi, I'm Sarah Mayer, Practice Manager at Archwood Medical Practice in Woodley. Looking back to those early days of lockdown, our main focus was really on communication. And one of the first things we did was set up a WhatsApp group for the practice. It helped us share information quickly, but also soon became the source of a lot of banter and light relief, which kept us all going through those first few weeks. It was also a great way for everyone to support each other and keep in touch, especially with members of the team working from home or self-isolating. And I think that's been the key for us, listening to people's individual concerns and making lots of small changes, appreciating that different people find different things helpful. As the situation changes, we're trying to keep in tune with how people are feeling about things, both through a recent staff survey and just by making time each day to have a catch-up. And we've tried to keep spirits up with some small gifts, just to let people know how much we appreciate their hard work. I feel really proud to work as part of the team at Archwood, and I'd like to add a massive thank you to them for their commitment, resilience and their ability to stay positive. Hi, I'm Michelle Davenport and I'm the Practice Manager at Heaton Mersey Medical Practice. When COVID-19 first started to take hold in the UK, infection control became one of the primary focuses but I was also concerned about the long-term well-being of my team. One of the first things we did was speak to the staff and reassure them that their jobs were safe. The sense of relief on some of their faces was profound. We tried to keep everything as normal as possible at the practice in terms of working hours and shift patterns because so much had changed in their lives. I felt it was important they had an anchor, something that was familiar to them during this unprecedented time. We held a few quizzes and some socially distanced lunches, which gave a distraction from COVID for a short while and helped to boost morale. We also found staff were experiencing dry hands due to all the hand washing, so we bought them each a tube of hand cream. A small gesture, but one that was well received. The team at Heaton Mersey have, without doubt, been absolutely amazing. Each and every one of them has shown remarkable resilience and commitment. We're all really excited about being able to shape a new primary care model, one that involves more flexible working, the use of modern technology and a service more convenient to our patients. I'm super proud to be working with you all. So yeah, it was really lovely to hear from the practice managers there. And it was also really nice to hear your personal experience, Joanna, um, a bit earlier. Do you have any other bits um, that you, you learned from your practice? So one of the 
things that came out of my survey from a number of people in terms of what were the negative impacts on their well-being, especially at the start, was the huge amount of stuff they had to read. And it was very, it was overwhelming. And I think looking back, probably what what we certainly perhaps could have done differently would have been to um, allocate certain topic areas to people. Because I think what actually happened is everybody ended up reading everything, (laughs) Um, which was exhausting and and probably a bit of duplication. I think, you know, useful learning for the future is when something big happens, maybe, you know, allocate um, in-house experts on various things. That's, um, I think that was a, a kind of a good tip. Yeah, that's very true. So we've actually got a group in Stockport, which is our PCM clinical directors, our LMC, our GP federation, our out-of-hours provider. We've got our community pharmacy lead and our community services lead, as well as the CCG. That's where we have you know, a smaller group looking at PPE, another group looking at testing, another group looking at referrals and COVID response. And it's meant we just chunk those pieces of work up so it's not everyone doing everything. Um, and it'll be great if we can keep some of that and and make sure that carries on um, as, as we move through um, through into the next phase. Yeah, they're such lovely reflections because I think it is hard to take that step back when it's all happening. And it's really weird when when you're kind of just keeping pace to then go, actually, how far have we come? Particularly when you're talking about digesting information and that I just think as a salaried GP kind of coming into the bombardment of emails, I think that's one of the things that's really kind of helped you keep going as somebody who's digesting the information and giving you summaries or like little bits where that kind of information sharing in WhatsApp groups with your other friends like the collaborative working has been such a, you know, a really, really good positive during this really difficult time. Yeah. I was just going to say then if we move down to kind of more personally in, in your own practices and things, what have you guys learned personally from the experience? Yeah, I think for us, it's it's the little things that really matter. What, what I've been really proud of with my team is how everyone has really adjusted themselves. So knowing that somebody else needs to leave early might mean that somebody else needs to stay late. Um, but actually, it's a two-way thing. I think bringing fun back to work. So fun's been really important in this in this kind of challenging time. So it is those. It's the little jokes and you know just just kind of having having a bit of a laugh at work just makes those really busy days so much easier. In terms of other things I've learned, it's um it's that that thinking about work life balance. I think Joe's alluded to it before, but you know it's really easy with for us all now that we do have laptops and we can work from home to just lose that balance between work and life and I think for me I've recognized the importance of time with family I've personally reflected on the fact that I've been juggling three jobs and 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 kind of working probably 11 sessions for for a number of years and actually I've dropped my CCG role now particularly just to think about that balance of of work life I've also thought about physical activity. Now, actually, lots of us have been forced to have some time at the weekends and go for walks locally when normally we're running around at 100 miles an hour. You know, I've, I've kind of found places locally um, that are really beautiful, really nice to go walking in. Um, at the CCG, actually, we've been doing this walking challenge where we've been kind of split into teams. So, you know, nod to blistering power because we're in the lead at the moment on our walk to, to Germany. <laughs> But, you know, it's just little things like that. So we've got a WhatsApp group where we all support each other and getting those steps in and thinking about how we do that. And I think the other thing that I suppose is that we don't need to be driving countless places for meetings. We don't need all of our patients to be driving to us and to the hospital. Actually, we've implemented EPS. That's one thing I forgot. So we've gone from in Stockport being around between 70 to 75% EPS to being 95% plus. 
Let's think of all that paper that we've saved in printing and, and, and print cartridges and toners and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's so much that we can learn and take forward. I think I've learned the importance of recognising that every member of the team has different circumstances and therefore different needs and that, that it's useful when that's kind of accepted and acknowledged and supported. So particularly parents of young children that have been trying to juggle um, homeschooling with work and between two parents who might be both working and and the extra strain that that brings is is something that we probably didn't recognize quite as well as we could have done um my kids have grown up now and left home and it's so when it's not happening to you it's it's easy to be a bit blind to it so having a, an approach which really recognizes the individual needs of your team members is going to be more helpful than the, perhaps a blanket um approach Obviously, being mindful that there's a sense of feeling of equity amongst the team too. You don't want to create bad feeling by having one set of um, thoughts for one person and another for another. So helping everyone to kind of really understand that it's about individuals. And I think that's another thing I've learned. So for me, equity isn't about necessarily treating everyone the same. It's about applying the same values and principles to everyone. So recognizing that actually we're all, we've all got really different circumstances and therefore we all need a different response is okay. And when we think about the staff risk assessments and people's medical conditions and BAME, that actually it's okay that we're doing different roles, that we're, we're working slightly differently. But actually, we're all equally valued and part of the same team. And we've all got an equal contribution, even if that contribution looks different. Yeah, those are really lovely points. So we've covered things about general practice generally. We've, we've talked about more personal experiences within the practice. And um, Have you guys heard of any good examples where practices or community teams have done good work around staff well-being during this time? I mean, you've talked about some of your own bits there, but any other examples that might be helpful for us to all learn from? I think on a kind of wider NHS front, um, there have been some things that people have found useful. So um, Headspace, which is a an app you can get for your phone, which helps with a kind of a, I guess, a mindfulness approach to um, managing your, your kind of mental health and well-being. Um, I know plenty of people who have made good use of that resource. It's It's been funded for NHS staff, I think, until December this year. The um, other thing I think that nationally has been great is the the access to for all primary care staff to um, coaching. So it, the program's called Looking After You, and it's for anybody working within primary care. And it's a coaching approach, and that's I mean that's a fantastic resource, and I know it's had some great um, great feedback. Yeah, I think the other thing um, I just wanted to mention was the response from our communities. Um, so, you know, there's lots of examples where communities have really stepped up to support actually us as a general practice, but also um, our patients. So, um, I mean, in Stockport, we've had a, a group called Shielding Stockport. That's actually just one of our patients who said, you know, I'm really worried about all this PP stuff I'm hearing in the papers. And he got his 3D printer and started making us face visors that grew and grew. So they started printing more visors. I think another group is um, is thinking about scrubs. So there's been a number of voluntary groups who've made literally hundreds and hundreds of of scrubs, of uh, mask protectors, of now cloth masks, and distributed them free of charge to organisations. Um, yeah, you know, it just really fills me with kind of positive energy, just knowing kind of people have been thought about, taken that time out, ordered stuff off the internet 
to donate free. Amazing. That does kind of take me a little bit to the how do we keep the momentum up? Because I think at this stage, we are months in now, aren't we? And things are still different. And as time goes on and we're only limiting the number of people that can be in a room and you're wearing, we're wearing masks when we're in the public spaces and it might be for a long time. I'm a bit mindful about the impact that might have on, on our wellbeing. Mm -hmm. So there's a big flurry at the start. And now what do we do new that's going to help to maintain wellbeing is something we need to really think about. So yeah, we have alluded to some points in terms of this being a long term situation and and where general practice kind of goes now but where where do you think we're kind of going from here so i think we're not at the end of covid we're moving into i think the next phase i suppose the first thing is the impact of all the stuff that hasn't happened over the past few months so really worries me some of the delayed diagnosis that we're now probably going to be facing for people who haven't had who haven't come forward or haven't been investigated over the past months mental health impact People have really struggled um, over the past few months and that struggle has been differential in terms of where people have felt it. So when I think about our less advantaged communities, um, actually, we know they have felt the blow the hardest. And I think when I think about the future financial impact of COVID, those those are the communities where we're going to feel, feel that hardest the most. And I think it's really important that we think about our response and we think about those communities and we think about those people and, and plan what we do and how we best support them. One thing that keeps me up a little bit at night now is thinking about our flu campaign, yeah. trying to do that in a socially distanced way with PPE, with donning and doffing, with wiping down surfaces. Have you ordered the right uh, amount of flu jabs? Are pharmacies going to be offering flu jabs as they did before? So Actually, what I suppose one thing I'd say to everyone, so we've sat down and started to think about the flu campaign across Stockport. You know, all that requires planning and thought. And I suppose I'd urge everyone to think about that, not just as a practice, but as a PCN or a locality. In terms of, yeah, the what now, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a number of practices at looking at the day-to-day kind of work scheduling for their clinicians at the moment. And one of the things I'm, I'm talking to practices that are looking at rescheduling about is that whatever they do, um, not only think about how accessible and responsive they are to patients' needs, but really ask the teams using those systems, how does it feel? Because all sorts of things affect our well-being. So a sense of being overwhelmed at work can sometimes be a psychological thing because the task list looks incredibly long. So lots of um, practices at the moment are setting up um, kind of pool lists where patients that needed care would be in a single list and the, the clinicians would pick off that list. And I think that works brilliantly well for teamwork and responsiveness. But as that list gets longer and longer, how does it feel for the people looking at that list? Do they feel they can't have lunch because there's still 10 people on the list? So when you're planning change within a practice, even though it may be that you're doing it with the greatest intention and that it's going to achieve all sorts of aims in terms of responsiveness and meeting patient needs, don't forget to ask the people using it how they feel when they're doing it. Yeah, we're not, we've not cracked the flu one yet either though, Vera, in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any great solutions for that one. Um, But yeah, so in terms of today's discussion, um, what would you like people to take away? I guess for the managers and the GPs and the people that lead their teams, never stop asking people how they're doing and ask individuals how they're doing, not necessarily as groups. And the things that make you feel better are likely to be the things that make other people feel better too so um chance to have a laugh encouraging people to exercise making sure there's some opportunity for some kind of face-to-face contact in a safe way they would be that'd be my tips uh, for me, I think an immense sense of pride of being a GP and being part of UK general practice 
And I'd say, you know, as a team, as well as thinking about what's coming next week and next month, just reflect on what you've achieved over the past few weeks and months and how much I'm sure uh, for most of our practices, you've pulled together and just supported each other through, you know, what has been the most unprecedented time in general practice that I've ever known. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, it's been really lovely doing this series with you both. We've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, for me, it's um, Lisa and Sarah taking over the world from here on in. <laughs> yeah, quite agree. <laughs> thank you. It's been really great to both be part of, but also listen to the podcast. I've had, I've gone back to some of your earlier ones, actually. There's so much great stuff there. and It's a really great way to learn. So uh, hopefully, like I said, go from strength to strength. Oh, thank you so much. Cheers, guys. So thanks once again to Viren and Joanna for their insights. It's been really interesting to reflect on everyone's experiences and just how far we've come over the last few months. Yeah. Um, in creating these podcasts, yeah, we felt like we've had a really nice way to um, to contribute to general practice in terms of communication as a platform. Uh, and hopefully it's made life a bit easier for some of you out there. And we've certainly learned a lot throughout the whole process. I know thinking through all the the topics that we've covered in this COVID series, um, like all the, the triage, the telephone and video and how to manage patients with COVID and the palliative care and managing death in the community, shielding. Yeah, the role of nurses um, and the social prescribing one we did recently. That's right. The research in primary care, one that we did a while ago now. Yeah, and, and then the staff risk assessments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and this episode today, it's it's really been quite a journey. Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, so uh, if you guys, anyone out there would like to get in touch with us, um, the best way, our favorite way is our one to two minute survey that you can find uh, as a link on the episode description. Yep. And you can also get in touch um, via email and our email address is primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter and our handle is at PCKB podcast. And thank you to everybody that's gotten in touch already. People that interact with us on Twitter. Um, we really love hearing from you all. Um, so please continue. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Till next time on Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Greater Manchester in 2020. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, the content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.